ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is what is <laughs> today is Wednesday, October twenty fifth, two thousand twenty three. Welcome to episode number four hundred and eighty of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, coming to you live from Tampa, uh, on location at Raymond James. Super pumped to be delivering this episode. We got a new camera angle shot. Thank the executive producer Jesse Johnson for his thoughts on this. Guys, over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Chuck Sapp, CyberSec, JS, Carrie, J, uh, Carrie uh, Johnny Five, Alana Boyajian, Stephanie Strauss, Emmanuel Dark, John De La Cruz, DreamLogic, Ken Forte, Brian Peake, so many of you over on YouTube and so many on LinkedIn are all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be bringing my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize this to deliver cyber risk reduction for your stakeholders? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, settle in because we're going to be delivering excellent content for you to just whip out in a job interview and be like, mic drop. Believe me, you will be asked in any single job interview, how do you stay current in the industry? The Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing podcast is a phenomenal answer. Plus, uh, just to point out over here, the uh, 70 people who are already here in the first two minutes of the show, they are phenomenal at networking. So don't be shy. Say what's up in chat. Uh, get to know people. Ask questions. There are no silly questions, just the ones that aren't uh, asked. It is Wednesday, which means we are going to go around the world in just a few minutes. I'm super pumped about that, as always. Uh, how's everybody doing today? Hope everyone's well. I see Senfless, hashtag Team Live. Uh, Lazaro's up in here, hashtag Team Live. Excellent. You guys know what's up. Marcus Kyler with the Yeats. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, guys, before we get into it, though, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor. Start with my good friend, Eric Taylor, and the gang over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. You do not want that. Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber attacks. They're basically, um, you know, personified Pepto-Bismol. They can come in and soothe that uh, tummy troubles <laughs> that business owners are having when they get punched in the mouth with ransomware. Believe that. Go to BarricadeCyber.com. Link in the description below. At minimum, bookmark it. Uh, at, you know, secondary, say what's up to Eric Taylor and Casually Joseph in chat. Believe me, you're going to be happy if and when you ever need their help. You are going to be so pumped that you don't need to figure it out at that moment. Also want to say shout out and thanks to Panopsi. 
my man Brandon Poole and his team over at um, Panopsi are delivering uh, what I would consider left of boom services that are exceptional. So get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. What can they do for you? Listen, if you're in charge of InfoSec at your business, whether you're a matrix IT person, whether you're a one person shop, whether you're a huge business and you just kind of like got promoted into a role because your boss left and they're like, hey, you, you're in charge now. And you're like, um, need a little help here. Panopsi Security can come in as a fractional VC. So get you set up for success, put you on a path to maturity. And believe me, there are some quick wins. There are some high risk, low cost controls, that uh, high risk reducing low cost controls that you can put in place today that will really, really set you up for success. But you won't know what they are unless you talk to Panopsi. Panopsi.com, links in the description below. Also want to say much love to Anti-Siphon Training, but more about them at the mid-roll. Uh, much to the chagrin of everybody, the soundboard is working. So um, there will be no manual sound effects, but stay tuned for episode number 500 as Nick Barker and the crew have all requested manual sound effects in addition to massive giveaways on episode 500. Uh, so just a little teaser for that, which we'll continue to tease um, until we get there. All right, guys, I want to remind all of you, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. Now, I know some of you might think like, yawn, half a CPE. What am I going to do with that? I can't even fix like a table that's wobbly with half a CPE. Listen to me. They stack two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat. Hashtag team live if you're looking for something. Hashtag passive observer if you're typically lurking around, but you want to get those CPEs. Take a screenshot, file it in a folder. And then when you know the time comes, just file like 40 CPEs and, and drop an archive of all your screenshots and you will be good to go. If you're on replay, hashtag team replay, team replay or people too. I love myself some team replay. You guys know it. Uh, shout out to Chris Weaver for always uh, doing the uh, story time mark. So if you are watching on replay or you have to go back for like the Cisco story or something like that, use the time marks in a pinned comment for the daily cyber threat briefing show and you can jump right to the stories that you need. All right, guys, uh, who else? Oh, hey, if it's your first time on the show, if it's your first episode, you're like, someone told you about it, you stumbled in here. Hey, even if you clicked on the wrong thing and you're like, eh, I'll see what this is about. Hashtag first timer in chat. We love welcoming our first timers. I do not think I have the welcome to the party pal first timer sound effect. So Nick Barker, you are gonna get a little bit of a manual sound effect. I do not have the welcome to the party pal on uh, the soundboard here. So that will be um, manual, okay? Mod, you're gonna have to let me know if there's first timers. I got a lot going on right now in front of me with the, uh, with the studio and stuff. Also, uh, if you could, I would love for chat chat if you could let me know what you think of this look okay uh, i was going back and forth with the tight on my face or more of the full body shot given where i am right now here in the uh, crisis command center conference room that i've appropriated uh this was a better uh setup for my situation but i am always soliciting feedback always looking to level up the game little by little so please in chat let me know is this a is this a camera angle that's cool or are you like <laughs> please tighten it up on your face bro we're not interested in what you're doing here let me know in chat i would definitely love it all right hey leon ellie we could talk about the semester a little bit later everything's good everything's good but guys i got great news for you really great news for you it is wednesday 
which is my favorite day of the week for reasons that will become apparent to first timers in just a moment. But let me tell you guys something really quickly. Do I have uh, all the things I need? Doink. Hold on, hold on. I got to move this. Let me move this. <laughs> hold on. Uh, let me tighten this up. There we go. There we go. We got the coupon code. We got all this stuff here. All right, guys. Each, every Wednesday, we go around the world. The Simply Cyber community is an amazing community full of amazing people. And we are all about support, diversity, inclusion, not, not blocking anyone who wants to be in cybersecurity. And one of the most amazing things is that we have significant international representation. This isn't just a bunch of East Coast Americans flapping their gums and talking cyber. No, we have international perspective, people in chat are bringing their thoughts. We have people of different age demographics, people of different life experiences. And one of the ways that we celebrate it in what I think is probably the coolest way is through Worldwide Wednesday. So in just a minute, I'm gonna go play Daft Punk around the world and we're gonna see if we can hit every continent, including Middle East and Central America. By the way, if you've got some South American friends, please DM them and tell them to get on stream. South America is always, always a, a bit of a, a stretch goal for us. Guys, Worldwide Wednesday is presented by IT Pro TV, now IT Pro from ACI Learning, the international online training solution that professionals in audit, cyber, and IT turn to for binge-worthy content. Use my promo code, SimplyCyber30, which you can see right there on the little pop-up, to get 30% off your first month or your first year of service with them. Spoiler alert, I would love for you to use my coupon code. However, if you are a veteran, first responder, or a teacher, you can get 60% off. So definitely take advantage of that. ACI Learning is a great platform, great content. Daniel Lowry makes a lot of um, content over there. ACI Learning was at Wild West Hacking Fest. Believe me, it's worth checking out at a minimum. Just as a reminder, the pinned comment on um, YouTube right now has it, my link directly to ACI Learning where you can get that 30% off. So the page is going to look like this. You can see you just click right here and the promo code runs right through. So giddy up on that. All right, guys, thanks, ACI Learning. But guys, now I got good news for you. We're about to go around the world. Mods, it's about to turn into a dumpster fire up in here. Here we go. Let's set it for two minutes. All right, guys, here we go. Let's go around the world. Where are you, everybody? All right, I see Marlon Johnson in Florida bringing the United States online. Let's go. Where are you at, everybody? California's in the house. Nathan Boland's in the house. What's up? Semper Fi, Devil Dog. I see you. Hey, Vermont. Ms. Julian representing the big VA. Hey, Maryland. What's up, St. Petersburg? We got Thailand. Johnny Five bringing in Thailand. Also where Alpha Bay was hosted. Niagara Falls up in here. We're going to take Canada online. Way to go, Maple Leaf. Loco VA. Very nice. We got Hungry in the house. Hungry, hungry hippos. Where's Hungry, 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 hungry? Oh, there it is. Boink. Europe is online. Nick Barker, you're amazing. Las Vegas in the house. What's up, South Carolina? See a lot of South Carolina representation. Thanks for covering me, guys, while you're while I'm on travel. The Philippines is in the house. Boom. Pacific Rim bringing it online. Hey, what's up? I see you, Wisconsin. I see you, Tampa. Johnny Dupree, come give me a high five, bro. I am in Tampa right now. New Orleans. Hey, Bangalore, India. Bring it on Asia. I love it. 
Canada's in the house. Rhode Island, what's up, UK? Love it, love it, love it. We got more European. Where's all my African contingents? The African uh, contingents usually uh, represent hardcore. India, India, I see you. Hey, Philly, city of brotherly love. You guys got a great football team this year. What's up, Washington State? Hey, Belize, Poland's in the house. Boom, we got Europe coming on strong. Czech Republic. I'm watching uh, I'm watching Jack uh, uh, Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. A lot of, a lot of time spent over it in uh, the Czech Republic. Hey, Alex Goodwin, bring it on Australia. Love it, love it, love it. We got Munich, Germany in the house. Boom, Europe is coming on strong this morning. What's up, Wisconsin? Hey, France, I see you. Boom, I see London, I see France. Hey, Nick Barker. Bangladesh is in the house, very nice. Whoops, I accidentally brought Nepal online. That's okay. Uh, what's up, Arizona? Hey, Lee Mueller, love it, love it, love it. Small town, Idaho, Katie Jordan bringing the representation. München, Deutschland, Sicily on the boot. Guys, no Africa today, come on. Dominicanos, we have Africa and South America in the house. Luke Canfield saying, "All right, guys, so let's let's slow it down. Let's slow it down." Uh, mods, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on this right now. Ooh, Sierra Leone is in the house. Boom, Sierra Leone, Italy, lots of Wisconsin, Africa, Florida, <laughs> Florida man. Finland is in the house. We got Finland. Doink 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 doink. Very nice, strong, strong. European representation. Poland, Mexico, Munich. We got Mexico, North America coming online, Germany, Belize, Philly, Turkey, Chechia. All right, India, Hungary, Bangladesh. I do not see South America in the house. So, uh, oh, the DR is here. Thailand, Poland. Okay, guys, we did not go around the world. That's okay. We have Kenya. Boom. Okay, we got a little bit of Africa. Uh, no South America, guys. It's okay. It's okay. Again, South America on the regular. Uh, we, we, I've got to, you know, we, we've, I've got to do some targeted. Uh, I've got to do some targeted promo ads for uh, South America to to bump up that. So if you got any South American friends, please DM them. Uh, SimplyCyber.io. We're here every single morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time. Let them know what's up. All right, guys. Enough jacking around. Now it's time to get busy to get to work. Let's let the cool sounds of the hot news. Wash over all of us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the Cybersecurity Headlines for Wednesday, October 25th, 2023. I'm Sean Kelly. Cisco IOS XE update. Number of infected devices via zero day remains high. Following up on a story we've been bringing to you on cybersecurity headlines, Cisco and other firms have confirmed that attackers have updated their implants on infected Cisco IOS XE devices. This explains why scans over the weekend appeared to show a significant drop in exploited devices. Shortly after Cisco disclosed the first zero-day IOS XE flaw, internet scans identified roughly 50,000 switches and routers infected by a malicious implant. However, just a few days later, scans showed the number of hacked devices dropped to 100. Security firm Fox IT found an updated fingerprinting method, which has identified nearly 38,000 Cisco devices still hosting the implant. Okay, so this is gross. Also, uh, thanks for the squad. Uh, membership. So this is gross. Uh, much to everybody's dismay, the Cisco, um, the Cisco uh, compromise, the two vulnerabilities that could lead to privileged uh, access 
uh, very, very easily exploited. Uh, it, it was being reported like 50,000 devices, and then the patch rolled out, and the next thing, the next day, they're like, oh, listen, there's only a couple hundred out there. So uh, yesterday, I speculated that it's one of three things. The threat actors um, changed their implant to, to hide a little bit. Uh, you know, some gray hat hacker was rebooting devices, or people were patching and rebooting their own devices. We were hoping uh, righteously that it was um, defenders patching and, and moving on. But unfortunately, it seems that 38,000 of the 50,000 um, actually are compromised and the threat actors are just discreet. Now, two, two things that I want to point out here. One, um, to me, this is a sophisticated threat actor, right? Like, I'm not saying any jack wagon could take an exploit and pump it and uh, and just go, but you can find these devices using Shodan fairly easy. And if it's a point and you know a point and shoot like Metasploit module, then anybody could really take these over. When you start having the implants get modified in order to hide, um, that is sophisticated. Okay, so the level of effort has gone up. That means. In your threat model, you're like, okay, I'm dealing with somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, you obviously got to start worrying about lateral movement, about additional persistence mechanisms, um, you know, what assets could be compromised. Um, if you have a flat network, not good, right? If you use Cisco devices on that perimeter, also internally, um, guys, once they get your external facing box, they move laterally. They can use the same exploit to compromise you know, devices and network uh, um, uh, devices that are internal to your network and start moving around. So really not a good situation. Obviously, you want to prioritize patching this. You want to prioritize rebooting to clear out those things. Um, Cisco, there's no doubt, I haven't seen it here, but there's no doubt that Cisco has released indicators of compromise that you can use to threat hunt in your environment. Um, this isn't good. Um, Shout out to NCC Group. Uh, I know that NCC Group does great work. They worked, uh, they partnered with what looks like um, Fox IT, a group I've never heard of, to develop a fingerprinting method to see if you're compromised, okay? So these threat actors, th dude, it's a game of cat and mouse all day, every day. They do one thing, we do one thing. They do something else to circumvent that, we do something else. In this case, they popped. We um, started patching and looking, they hid, now we got a fingerprint for their hiding. So do not sleep on this, guys, especially if you're responsible for information security or networking at your business and you're running these Cisco, um, I think they're called XE, Cisco XE devices. Yeah, uh, do not sleep on this. This is definitely a pause the stream. As much as I'd love for you to stick around, pause the stream and make sure that you're addressing this. If this is the first you've heard of it, you are definitely, um, behind the eight ball right now and need to get uh, priority, uh, get this in front of everybody. California sidelines GM's driverless cars citing safety risk. On Tuesday, the state of California ordered General Motors Cruise Unit to remove its driverless cars from state roads and called the vehicles an unreasonable risk to public safety. The suspension follows a series of accidents involving cruise vehicles and is a major setback to GM's self-driving business that the company has held a major growth opportunity. The DMV order also said Cruise misrepresented information related to the safety of its vehicles. Cruise is allowed to challenge the suspension within five days, though the company did not say if it planned to do so. Okay, so this is less of a cybersecurity story and more of a public safety story. Uh, right now, drive, um, like, okay, so mods, can I get the Will Ferrell um, 
Zoolander, um, GIF, please. Um, right now, driverless cars are so hot, right? Tesla's making, Tesla is like printing money with driverless cars. The software is what is valuable. You can copy and paste that software into other uh, automobiles given the right, um, um, like camera, you know, physical camera system to be able to do that. So there, there's a there's a rush to market. This is so like 1993 Microsoft operating system methodology where like GM Cruise is like, eh, but we know it's got problems, but let's push it to market so we can start getting market share. And don't worry, we can push updates. Mm, no big deal. Well, it didn't say it in the story, but I suspect that the GM Cruise is driving into people, driving into cars, not following the laws of the road, um, ca causing traffic accidents. Um, so obviously, if it rises to the level of public safety threat, yeah, you should. You know what? One thing that I'm super pumped about is that um, straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie's not going to win in this instance. You know, GM's got deep pockets, right? So you know, hey, regulator, like, how about, you know, you check it out or like you give us a pass or like give us a provisional approval or whatever. You know what? Not today, my friend. Public safety uh, reigns supreme. Um, I don't know anything about this GM cruise. I just know that, you know, if there's safety risk issues, it's a hot mess on fire. Again, this isn't really a, um, uh, thank you very much, Mods. This isn't really a um, a cyber story. But uh, driverless cars are so hot right now. <laughs> Thanks, Mods. Canada accused China of spamiflage disinformation campaign. On Monday, Canada warned of a Chinese spamiflage disinformation campaign using waves of posts and deepfake videos across more than 50 platforms and forums to disparage and discredit Canadian lawmakers and silence criticism of the Chinese Communist Party. The government ministry said a bot network posted thousands of messages on social media accounts of parliament members, including Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and opposition leader Pierre Poiliev. Canada's allegations come after Meta reported in August that it had purged thousands of Facebook and Instagram accounts that were part of a widespread Chinese spam operation. On Tuesday, China's foreign ministry rejected the allegations, saying Ottawa, quote, confuses black and white and misleads public opinion, end quote. Okay, uh, so mods, I, uh, this term, spamiflage, uh, that's a new term for me. So add that to your, um, add that to your vocabulary, if you will. I've never heard the term spamiflage. I don't know if someone has uh, a definition for that that we could bring up. Uh, mods, please. Uh, so lawmakers targeted by China-linked spamiflage. Dude, here's the deal. Whether it's the United States, whether it's Canada. Um, Using social media for disinformation, for misinformation, is not a new technique. We've seen it all the way back in 2016 with AI, um, ChatGPT. You can use it to generate all sorts of original posts to beef out a sock puppet account. What's up, guys? How you doing? Uh, we got people coming into the Crisis Command Center right now uh, for the live stream. This is great. Oh, Mono Julian with the super chat. What's up, Mono Julian? Hope everything's well. They made a car to drive like that from Boston to New York City. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yep. That's right, Mono Julian. And thanks for the uh, super chat. So this spamiflage term, uh, new to me, but essentially it sounds like, you know, it's just disinformation 101. Um, with these nation state threat actors, whether it's China, whether it's Russia, 
you know, the United States doesn't get pulled into this very often, but you have to assume that the United States through their intelligence agencies are also doing these things. It's just, we typically say like, <laughs> we're the good guys, so we don't do those type of things. Uh, but this is a playbook of any first world power, um, using it to um, uh, sway public opinion and obviously influence, uh, do influence operations on the public. Again, keep an eye out for it. You could see here that they're using deep fake technology, deep fakes, as I've been predicting since 2016. I think this is the year my prediction is going to work. Uh, deep fake technology can be used to effortlessly uh, and very effectively sway public opinion into believing that some type of po political official uh, is taking some position or some type of influential individual is, uh, you know, having a call to action for the population. Like, for example, um, we saw Ukrainian President Zelensky back in April of 2022 uh, go online and like make a post telling Ukrainian citizens to lay their arms down that we're going to give up. Obviously, that was a deep fake. Obviously, they didn't do it. But you can see just as a case study that this is an opportunity to weaponize it. Uh, and, you know, basically China's doing it too. Also, fun fact, China is like really good at um, deep fakes in that they can make like Tom Cruise look like Tom Cruise is saying something, but also with AI avatars. If you check out Synthesia, here, I'm going to bring it up really quickly. Uh, Synthesia, um, hold on one second. It's tough to type with one hand. Hold on. Hold on one second. This is just one example of what they're doing in uh, with, with you know Chinese technologies. Obviously, uh, lifelike. You can feed them scripts. Uh, they'll say whatever you want. They have like you know 50, 60 different avatars. Um, so you can have entire <laughs> you can have entire identities online uh, on online personas that are completely fictitious, saying whatever you want. Uh, and if you get enough people backing them. Uh, then people will start listening to them. That's a little bit of a longer play, but just indicating some of the capabilities that are out there right now. One password and Cloudflare affected by Okta compromise. Password manager One Password and cybersecurity firm Cloudflare have confirmed they were targeted by hackers following the breach affecting single sign-on provider Okta. One Password said on September 29th, a member of its IT team received an unexpected alert that somebody had generated a list of Okta administrators. One Password invoked their security incident response team, which confirmed that the threat actor had accessed their Okta account with administrative privileges. One Password promptly terminated the malicious activity and concluded that no One Password user data was accessed. In Cloudflare's case, a threat actor successfully hijacked an Okta session token to access Okta's customer support systems, but said, quote, no Cloudflare customer information or systems were impacted by this event because of our rapid response, end quote. Cloudflare sharply criticized Okta for taking more than two weeks to disclose compromise of their customer HTTP archive files. Okay, so this is the ongoing continuing story of Okta compromise. Okta is the, you know, basically... Uh, a SaaS solution outsource provider of identity and authentication. Uh, lots of businesses, lots of Fortune 500 companies, lots of governments are using Okta. It's a great solution, okay? So I'm not going to, what I'm about to say is not to diminish Okta's uh, capabilities, but they do have, you know, really good, um, a really <laughs> important, valuable clients, including people like Cloudflare and 1Password. Now, what becomes interesting is with something like 1Password, um, you're you're taking into account that all of your credentials are stored in the cloud at 1Password. And if they get compromised, does that have downstream impact of all of the 1Password uh, customer bases also getting compromised? Uh, a couple things to point out here. One, if you're using 1Password, either as an individual or as an enterprise, no
no customer data was included in the 1Password um, you know, quote unquote, unauthorized access. There was no data breach in that instance. Second of all, and I, you'd have to fact check me on this, but most of the main uh, password vault solutions, LastPass, Bitwarden, I would assume one password, they do not have keys to access individual vaults. So if you lose your password, your master password um, to your vault, you're screwed. They cannot help you recover that. You basically just burn it to the ground and start over again. And you know, good luck with that because it's going to be an arduous journey resetting all of your account's passwords. But that trade-off of that control is that even if you know APT28 comes swooping in and just takes over one password and, and it just lands on them like a condor, they're not going to be able to do anything um, to get those passwords. Now, uh, just so people don't flame me on social media here, Yes, when quantum computers come out, they could do a you know uh, crack on those password vaults retro retroactively. But most times, I don't think that that's going to be one of those use cases that they're looking for. So there is that uh, opportunity. Now, Cloudflare also got hit. Uh, Cloudflare known for uh, doing denial of service attack, uh, providing doing fronting uh, for major companies. So watch out. the The final thing I'll point out here, and this one I want to. Um, I want to, I guess, it, it, it bothers me, okay? And now we're going to start getting into... Straight uh, cash, homie. Okta found out about this like on October 2nd and didn't disclose it until October 18th, a full 16 days later. Dude, that's not okay. That, that's not okay. I get that you need to validate that there has been a compromise and you need to do internal operations to get to where you need to, where you want to start disclosing to customers. But believe me, you don't need 16 days to figure this out. They probably figured it out. And then this is a hot hot take. Let me get my tinfoil hat on really quickly here. Doink, 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 doink. Tinfoil hat. I suspect they wanted to tell their customer base and the business was like, Great cash, homie. how bad is it? What if we don't tell them? What's the impact if we do tell them? What's it do to our share price? How many customers are we likely to lose? How much money are we likely to lose? Yeah, so it sucks. I get it. But, you know, in my experience, when companies get in front of it, own it and try to work with the community, the customer base, and the larger ecosystem of IT, it usually works out better because everybody knows that crap happens and there's no business that's absolutely secure 100%. So, Getting in front of it, it, you're more of a team player versus what I think Okta did in this case where they did a risk calculation based on the financials and then made a decision eventually to go. I think it took too long. Um, 16 days is definitely too long uh, for the amount of knowledge that they would have gained, at least within the first five days. You know it was an all-hands-on-deck thing. They didn't go home on the weekend. It's not like they punched out at five and was like, ah, I'm just going to go to happy hour or something like that. All right, let's do the mid-roll. And now, a word from our sponsor, Vanta. Growing a business? That likely means more tools, third-party vendors, and data sharing, aka way more risk. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform brings GRC and security efforts together. Integrate information from multiple systems and reduce risks to your business and your brand, all without the need for additional staffing. 
And by automating up to 90% of the work for SOC 2 and ISO 27001 and more, you'll be able to focus on strategy and security, not maintaining compliance. Join 5,000 fast-growing companies that leverage Vanta to manage risk and prove security in real time. Our listeners get $1,000 off of Vanta. Go to vanta.com slash CISO to claim this discount. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash C-I-S-O. Okay, before we do the mid roll, <laughs> before we do the mid roll, uh, all the all the comments coming in about this Octa story is hilarious. Sam West, not a hot take, no tinfoil hat needed. Uh, crash override talking about socks compliance and, and whatever. And then my favorite, Emmanuel Dark, which is going to get the uh, the uh, oh I don't have the LOL sounder, but Emmanuel Dark, uh, Octa CEO. Hey guys, just chill out. This will just blow over after a few days. Yeah, <laughs> super funny. All right, guys, I don't know if we have any first-timers here in chat today, but if you are a first-timer, allow me to welcome you to the mid-roll. One second. All right, guys, I want to thank all of you for being here. It is 8.34 a.m. I'm coming to you live from the mobile studio in Tampa. Uh, Definitely appreciate the client site where I'm at. Got the Crisis Command Center. If you guys could see, I've got two, like, 90-inch monitors over here showing the stream. Uh, for folks, it's it's all about good times up in here. Guys, if you are getting value from the stream, do me a solid. Hit the like button. Again, I don't care about how many likes we get. It is actually a hack to trigger the YouTube algorithm to tell other people who are searching for cybersecurity content on YouTube right now that this is happening. There's 322 of you awesome people. All of you like cybersecurity. All of you are like avatars for other people on YouTube. So pay it forward, help others find it. Uh, Jeremy Williams with the uh, squad up. Uh, Thank you very much, uh, Jeremy Williams, for 13 continued months of what's going on. Guys, I want to say thanks to the stream sponsors, Barricade, Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the industry around cybersecurity education training. How are they doing it? Here's how they're doing it. They're literally offering high-quality training that is taught by seasoned industry professionals, and they're not charging seven, $8,000 for the training. They're actually charging ridiculously affordable rates. In some instances, if you use the link in the description below, you can go to training, pay what you can training, and all of these courses right here are $0. That's right, $0. Anti-siphon training under the Black Hills Information Security banner, they want to level all of us up. Do not make financial situations a gate that keeps you from being able to join our industry and kick massive butt. Take advantage of it. All it is is your time, your focus, and your commitment to wanting to learn. Financials out the door. Uh, again, thanks so much to Anti-Siphon Training for the squad uh, squad membership, for the, um, for the sponsorship. All right, guys, we've got the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. As always, uh, Jenny Housley, if you could let me know who's doing it right now. Oh, Casually Joseph, of course. So Casually Joseph, if you're in chat, every single day we push forward on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. What is it? Every single day, one person holds the baton. Casually Joseph currently has it. Joseph posted on LinkedIn yesterday his cyber story and used the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Joseph is going to tag somebody with the baton. When that person accepts the baton, here's what you do. If you're interested in supercharging your LinkedIn feed, it's basically hacking LinkedIn, to have a supportive, inclusive network, and more importantly, that your LinkedIn feed has just really rich, valuable content instead of a bunch of, like, you know, whatever nonsense and and ads and crap like that, go on to 
LinkedIn, search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. And here's the deal. You got to connect with the people who are posting, connect with the people in comments. And here's the recursive uh, secret tip. Comment on the post. You'll get picked up in the peloton, essentially, of people connecting with the people in comments. And believe me, people in chat, drop your own experiences, please, so others know. Believe me, two weeks time, 10 business days, your LinkedIn feed, you're going to have hundreds of connections and your feed, more importantly, is going to have resources, supportive comments, and it's just going to be a better cybersecurity experience for you. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Thank you to all the people, the hundreds of people who have already done the challenge and the hundreds that are in chat right now that will take advantage of the challenge. I'm a big, big advocate of the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Now, we did uh, Worldwide Wednesday to start the show, so there is no mid-roll activity. We're at 8.37, so we're going to roll right on to the next news story. But I want to appreciate all of you, uh, or I appreciate all of you. Thank you so very much, and let's get back into the news. AI godfathers say major tech firms should devote a third of AI budget to managing risk. Two so-called AI godfathers, Yoshua Bengio and Jeffrey Hinton, have joined 22 other AI experts to propose a policy and governance framework to address growing AI risks. The proposal comes ahead of next week's AI Safety Summit, meeting in Bletchley Park in the UK, where politicians, tech leaders, academics, and others will gather to discuss how to regulate AI. The paper recommends large private companies and government regulators devote a third of their AI research and development budgets to AI safety. The paper also calls on governments to implement processes for AI model registration, safety inspections, whistleblower protections, incident reporting, and monitoring. The paper also says measures should be instituted to hold AI developers legally accountable for any harm their models cause. While the industry appears to be shifting toward caution regarding AI use and development, another prominent AI expert, Yan LeCun, argues that current AI risks do not need such urgent measures. All right. So here we go. Um, by the way, uh, shout out to Joel Belton with the Five Squad membership. Joel. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, Joel, for that. Okay. So, guys, AI, obviously wicked hot. Um, here, we can actually. AI is so hot right now. We're getting double stacks on the uh, Will Ferrell uh, meme here. Uh, Jeffrey Hinton. I, I haven't heard of this Bengio guy. I'm sure he's obviously uh, well informed, but. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Hinton has been interviewed on 60 Minutes. He's considered the godfather of AI, so it's definitely someone to listen to. Uh, guys, the genie is out of the lamp. It, the toothpaste is out of the tube. Like, whatever metaphor you want to use, AI is not going back. There absolutely needs to be regulation around that. I'm a little disappointed in the United States' response, frankly, uh, from a... Um, a bureaucratic perspective. They're moving awfully slow. Obviously, I don't want to get super political, but the United States federal government's kind of a dumpster fire right now in general, the way that they're behaving. But we're seeing big tech companies, Amazon, Google, et cetera, uh, push forward with um, basically self-policing, self-regulating on AI policy. So I definitely like that. And then the UK, um, again, this is UK related. Uh, the UK and really the European Union has been moving forward uh, quite quickly, quite swiftly with AI regulations, which I genuinely appreciate. Um, now here is my spicy hot take. Okay. Like let's get, um, little tinfoil hat for all those in the office right now, the tinfoil hat. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm presenting this show live to people right now. Also off camera, um, spicy hot take. Here's the deal. Think about a weapon system. Okay. Think about, um, world war two, the, the, the atom bomb, right. Or the hydrogen bomb, pick your choice. It doesn't matter. Okay. 
massive power with uh, with that hydrogen bomb. You could you could level cities like you know go see Hiroshima, right? You could level them. It's a it's an unparalleled weapon system that gives unbelievable advantage to whoever owns it. AI is the same way, okay? Now, AI isn't going to level a city, but everybody in this room knows how powerful AI is and how much of a technical advantage it is. Now, I appreciate that Hinton and the UK regulators are making these proposals that uh, R&D budget, a third of it at least needs to be spent on ethical constraints around uh, rules, around safety, around the proper use of AI. Here's the deal, though. Other countries... Like everybody's got AI, right? So what you're saying is we over here are going to spend our money, our time, our energy, our effort putting in safeguards while maybe a different country over here that has a different philosophical perspective is going to spend all of their budget and all of their time weaponizing and and increasing efficacy to achieve whatever their national goals are. Okay, so uh, it's it's a little bit of a struggle bus. Uh, Again, you can't just say, all right, well, like we're going to throw ethical standards uh, out the window because we need to keep pace with with the Joneses, these other first world uh, countries over there. Uh, So it is a little bit of a um, it's just a conflict. I mean, as a as a as a first world power, as a country that has intellectual leaders that are trying to shape a society that is safe and and healthy and and bountiful. Yes, I want AI ethical uh, regulations and standards in place because Guys, I do not want freaking Skynet. I don't want, like right now, they, they gave ChatGPT a voice in ears. I don't know if you guys know this, but it has a voice in the ears. It's just a matter of time before they stick it in one of those Boston Dynamic robot things. Even the dog, I don't care. And, it, you know, it's, it's going to be moving around. Um, so definitely a concern uh, on that. As uh, long as we keep having these conversations, keep moving forward, and um, taking taking, you know, adhering to what they're saying. Also, just as a quick aside, I want to point out that some AI in some countries is actually being controlled in a way where the AI is responding with very specific responses in order to shape narrative. So people using the AI feel like, oh, this is like, you know, this is open and thoughtful and, and, you know, kind of a discourse from the AI bot based on my inputs, not realizing that there is bias baked into the AI bot in order to control the narrative that is shaping what the individual population is consuming. So definitely be concerned with that. Definitely be mindful of that. The one final thing I hope is that not only did they come out with some ethical standard and framework, but there's a way to test it against any AI going forward in order to identify the biases. But of course, once that comes out, whoever's writing the AI is going to write controls around circumventing those ethical checks and stuff like that. So it's going to turn into another game of cat and mouse. So stay tuned and uh, check out Jeffrey Hinton if you want more info on it. Finland says Chinese ship to blame for subsea pipeline break. Following up on a story we brought to you two weeks ago on cybersecurity headlines, on Tuesday, Finnish police announced that a Chinese ship is to blame for the damage to a subsea gas pipeline running between Finland and Estonia. Authorities believe an anchor found in the seabed near the Baltic Connector Pipeline was to blame for the damage. The investigation is focused on a vessel spotted in the area called New New Polar Bear, which is owned by a Chinese shipping company. Finnish authorities say they are, quote, investigating if there has been any premeditation or negligence involved in the sequence of events, end quote. 
Yeah. Oh, by the way, I should have played this for the AI. Shall we play a game? Okay, so this is a follow-up story. Uh, Finland to Estonia, there was a, a pipeline. Um, you know, some of us suspected not only was it gas, but also a conduit for uh, high-speed or, you know, thick internet cables connecting Finland across the sea uh, to Estonia. Estonia, one of the most internet, um, you know, online countries out there, has been since, like, 2014. Uh, it was originally uh, purported that uh, this was a malicious kind of like Navy SEAL swimming down and blowing it up. They they originally reported that it definitely did not look like an accident. Uh, now they're reporting that a Chinese ship basically dragged an anchor across. Um, the fact that it's a Chinese ship, you know, that does, you know, you know, prompt like, oh, is this some type of BRICS versus NATO uh, attack? Um, I don't know. It's one of those things where like you really want to be sure of attribution and of uh, intent before you throw a haymaker that could cause <laughs> uh, World War III. Uh, frankly, uh, if China was to have intentionally uh, destroyed that gas pipeline, that absolutely would qualify as an Article 5. Um, you know, so we definitely want to be careful with that. Um, I, I, I watch a lot of spy thrillers. I'm currently watching Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. So part of me is like, oh, this could definitely be uh, one of these situations where it's like a, a news cover-up story in order to prevent uh, us moving forward into this. Uh, one thing I want to point out, the name of the ship, the Chinese vessel that actually dragged the anchor and destroyed the, uh, the pipeline is called Nunu Polar Bear. Reminds me of Ducky or uh, Bodie McBoatface out of Scotland. If you guys know that story, it's kind of funny. Uh, the population or the, you know, they put it out to the, the public to name a boat and <laughs> they had to name it Bodie McBoatface, uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, stay tuned on this. Obviously, they're going to repair the pipeline. Oh, yeah, there you go. Finland, Estonia. Um, personally, I this sounds wicked sus. Um, it sounds absolutely like sabotage and intentional. Um, I'm not pointing at, like, obviously, if China wanted to be more discreet, they could have had a different flagged vessel accidentally do that. I, I think that's well within their capability as uh, first world power. Uh, but stay tuned on this one. I, I, to me, this one, I'm going to put a couple little tinfoil hats. I think it's a little sus and uh, definitely convenient that convenient that a, a Chinese trawler uh, dropped an anchor and accidentally drove it over. Over 80% of security leaders have already received AI email attacks. A recent report from Abnormal Security has revealed that nearly all security leaders are concerned about the cybersecurity risks posed by AI tools, with four-fifths of respondents confirming their organizations have either already received AI-generated email attacks or strongly suspect that this is the case. The majority of respondents rely on their cloud mail providers or legacy tools for email security. Nearly half of respondents lack confidence in traditional solutions to detect and block AI-generated attacks. Finally, 92% of respondents see the value in using AI to defend against AI-generated email threats, while more than 94% say that AI will have a major impact on their cybersecurity strategy over the next two years. Shall we play okay. Over 80%, so just talking about AI in the last story, or the second to last story, 80% of security leaders have already received AI email attacks. Yeah, absolutely. And the other 20% probably didn't realize that it was AI generated. They just thought it was like human generated. Also in this report, 98% um, of security leaders are concerned about cybersecurity risk. What are the other 2% doing? What are they like? <laughs> what what are the other 2% doing? Have you been under a rock, dude? 100% of security leaders should be concerned about AI. It is 
Generative AI can definitely develop all sorts of uh, sock puppet, you know, backfilling sock puppet accounts. Jet, you know, easily uh, do you know deep fake technology. E- like we've seen multiple instances of business email compromise, not just from an email being sent, but also a deep faked video being sent and having money go out the door. There's documented cases of this. The AI is just getting better. So. Um, Frankly, I'd like to talk to the other 2% of security leaders and get their opinion on why they're not concerned about uh, the cybersecurity risk of AI, because I think that they are, um, they probably need to come around and have a, you know, come to Jesus meeting with with their staff about, you know, what AI is actually doing. Uh, One thing I'll say about this, because we are running late on time here, um, I absolutely, I'm going to drop a link in chat here. All right, Uh, link in chat. Lots of people. Um, lots of businesses, lots of business leaders, right? My GRC people, I'm looking at you. Lots of businesses are asking the question of their InfoSec staff and the board, also board of directors are asking these questions. What are we doing about AI? Should we be concerned about AI? How is AI influencing what we're doing here? Like everybody, like at, at, at Rotary Club, they're talking about AI, right? On the golf course, they're talking about AI. So you need, as a practitioner, especially more senior people here, I'm looking at you, you need to be informed on AI. And a report like this is going to have statistical um, information. I didn't fact check the sources. Obviously, you'll have to do that yourself to make sure that you're speaking um, in, in an informed way. But having statistical information around, like, you know, 80% of respondents confirmed that they've received AI-generated email attacks. Okay, so that is something to take action. Hey, what are we doing about AI? Well, we've got a couple options here. We're using AI internally for X, Y, and Z. We are seeing an uptick in adversarial activity using AI. Specifically, 80% of um, you know security organizations are, are realizing AI-generated email address, or excuse me, not email address, email content and comms. So we are uh, definitely... Uh, tightening our policies, tightening our phishing. Uh, hopefully, you're not using Exchange on-prem and you've, you've moved to some type of actual, you know, useful security gateway. I'm not going to um, uh, bias towards one gateway or the other, but examples that you could look into are Mimecast, Proofpoint, Exchange Online Protection. If you're an Office 365 shop, chances are you already pay for Exchange Online Protection, so why don't you just go take advantage of it and use it? Um, I will finally say that I feel like the email um, uh, AI, you know, AI in, in influenced email attacks is just the tip of the iceberg. Think about it; it's the easiest thing, right? Like you're a you're a threat actor and you're typing up emails, and you can just have AI do it. That's super easy. I think um, we're in the early stages. It's going to get later on down the road where we're having AI write malware, we're having AI write PowerShell scripts that can do uh, evasive techniques on MDR. I mean, excuse me, not MDR, EDR, endpoint detection and response, getting around malware, um, polymorphic malware where it's writing different um it's writing itself different ways in order to adapt quickly and not be you know um, statically identified by a fingerprint or a hash or something like that so again man ai is coming we i, I said this before i'll say it again and i'll, I'll get a t-shirt and and I'll, I'll live by it we have been in the information age since like you know the year 2000 we were in the industrial age before that and everything like that 2020 uh Three guys, March 2023, we vaulted into the AI age. I swear to God, it's you can't go backwards. Everyone's using it. You can only—it's like basically being on a roller coaster without um, um, a harness or a seatbelt. 
The best you can do is hold on and try to make the best of the ride. But if you don't hold on, you're going to get jettisoned right out of there when it goes over a loop or something like that. So uh, get in front of it. Take advantage. Uh, AI is a super powerful um, force multiplier, but don't don't be ignorant to the fact that it can be weaponized. Threat actors, a, a gun can protect your home. A gun can use to rob a convenience store. So it's just a tool in the toolbox. How you use it actually influences uh, what's going on there. Researchers crack code to unlocking a USB drive worth $235 million in Bitcoin. Seattle-based startup Unciphered claims to have cracked the encryption of Iron Key S200, a decade-old USB thumb drive. The company said it exploited an undisclosed vulnerability to bypass the drive's feature that erases its contents after 10 incorrect password attempts. After their breakthrough, Unciphered contacted a Swiss crypto entrepreneur, Stefan Thomas, who has forgotten the password to his Iron Key containing 7,002 bitcoins valued at roughly $235 million. Thomas has only two password attempts left before losing access to his fortune, but politely declined Unciphered's offer to help, saying that he'd already made a handshake deal with two other cracking teams a year earlier. Thomas remains committed to giving those teams more time to work through the problem, though neither team has shown any signs of pulling off the decryption trick that Unciphered has accomplished. And oh, okay, okay. All right, so a couple things here. One, $235 million is absolutely a, uh, <laughs> that's a motivating opportunity to want to crack these. Uh, Kingston's probably got to be pretty uh, disgusted by this because Kingston makes the iron key and they they live and die that their their uh, tech is wicked, hard, uh, uh, has hardware security encryption. You can't crack it. Uh, this has been proven wrong, obviously. So Kingston's going to definitely have to get in front of this. Um, we saw this when Bitcoin was at like 60,000, 70,000 a coin. Uh, people like going through, you know, uh, garbage heaps and dumpsters trying to find uh, USB drives that they had thrown away years before. Apparently, this guy's got one. What's interesting is that he only has two attempts left before the key wipes itself and he loses um, the 70,000 Bitcoins or 7,000 Bitcoins that are on it. Um, I don't know about you. I'd love your thoughts in chat. The fact that he promised some cracking team a year ago that they could get first take at it, and there's a team that has already demonstrated they could do that. Love you, mean it, but I would just say, like, here's a million bucks. Sorry for your inconvenience, but I'm going to go ahead and have this other team that's already demonstrated the capability to crack this key crack it. I'm going to give them a couple million dollars. And then, like, who, like, let's have a $35 million pot, give it to all the people who are involved, and then take $200 million and go retire on a Cayman Island or something like that. $200 million uh, is enough for me to retire quite comfortably. Um, so, also, I mean, I guess I can't fault this. Who who hasn't forgot a password, right? They probably chose some silly password, like, oh, this will be my Bitcoin password, and then obviously didn't write it down. Um, there have been instances of this that, to me, the actual uh, key takeaway here is that there is a capability out there that can crack a hardware uh, iron key USB drive, which is supposed to be considered one of the more secure ones. I've actually got a video on the channel around um, Kingston's iron key, if you want to go check it out, where I do an evaluation and a, a performance on it. Um, so I, I have firsthand experience, like, tinkering with one of these iron keys they are very very secure um so that's definitely a concern um so kind of a fun story to end uh the show today that does it for today's cybersecurity headlines but don't forget to join us all right this so Friday. that's going to do it for the headlines i'm doing this in front of a live audience but they can only hear <laughs> they can only hear my voice they can't hear the music 
All right, guys, I want to thank all of you for being here today. Definitely appreciate it. We topped out about 350 people today live in chat. I know another 1,700 or so are going to be on replay. Hashtag team replay in the comments. Obviously, get those CPEs. I want to remind everybody that this Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern time, we are going to be doing another wet run. Uh, this is 4 p.m., right? Yeah. Um, we're going to be doing another wet run of the Simply Cyber Conference. That's going to be November 8th. It's absolutely free to attend. Go to simplycybercon.org in order to register and get all the information you need for that conference. It's going to be great. we got two tracks. Um, if you want to come support the channel, be there Friday at 4 p.m. Uh, in order to help us facilitate the wet run. We're going to be doing the Discord server. We're going to be doing the green room. We're going to be doing track one and track two. We're going to be testing the whole tech stack uh, in response to the lessons learned from the wet run that we did two Fridays ago. So definitely check it out. Super pumped. Also a reminder for those who are interested, I will be uh, keynoting uh, B-Sides Charleston on November 4th. It's a Saturday morning. I go on at 10 a.m. It will be live streamed, I assume, on the B-Sides Charleston uh, YouTube channel. So if you'd like to catch that, the name of my talk is What Game of Thrones Can Teach Us About Cybersecurity. It's a lighthearted, fun talk, but you're going to see a lot of parallels. And the ability to do uh, to use storytelling in order to convey information that has a stickiness is an incredibly uh, useful uh, skill. So you're going to see what we're doing with that across the multiple disciplines of Game of Thrones. Also, if you've been living under a rock and you've been waiting to like watch Game of Thrones, uh, <laughs> tons of spoilers. So you may want to skip that particular talk, but that's a, I feel like that's a, a marginal audience in the, in the chat here. All right, guys, we're just at 8.58 here, so we're going to call it a day. I want to thank all of you for being here today. Thank you uh, to uh, the mods, obviously, Jesse, BSEC, Justin Gold, Kimberly, Jenny, all those helping mod. Thanks to all of you in chat, Angie, Travis, uh, Dream Logic, uh, Josh Mason's up in here, uh, David Robbins, as always. Guys, uh, great show today. We'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Jerry, your chat. Until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one.